0: Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Music Therapist. I am so excited to have another guest and my guest today. Oh, this is going to be a good conversation. And I just want to know the ins and outs of her life and how she got to where she is and... (laughs) all of the things involved. So my guest today is Haley francis Can. And Haley, I would love for you to um, introduce yourself to us and let us know where you are in the world and what you're doing these days.
1: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. First of all, Kim, thanks for having me on to have this conversation I guess I'm in the world. I'm in Kingston, Ontario, in Canada right now, practicing subcontracting for a music therapy company in the area, Um, working mostly in long term care, but also recently just took on a couple interns. And so I've been able to. Yeah, it's so exciting um, to take on this kind (coughs) of new role and step back from um, some of that clinical heavy uh, stuff that I have been doing for the past couple years and just look at how, um, you know, my professional world is changing just a little bit, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm in Canada. I'm working from home (laughs) half the time and working in facility the other half of the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a juggling act I think right now for everybody, but definitely for me.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's, there's so much to think about and navigate in this time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, and I know for you, you're not only a clinician and now you're not only a supervisor, but you also have this beautiful presence online and you have so many, um, resources and like all I want to say is like nuggets of gold in the world that you've shared with us. You're an author, you're a podcast host. Um, yeah, What what is it like for you to be doing all of these different beautiful things
1: in the world? It's really great because I feel like, um, you know, I'm coming into my own and finding my voice. The title of, of um, the podcast that I co-host with Kimberly Dillon. Um, we we titled it Able Voice just because at the point that we were dreaming this up, that was something that was very real to us and, and owning our voice and our identities as uh, individuals within this field of music therapy and what mm-hmm. that looks like because everybody has a different journey and it looks different and we want to celebrate that and Something that I've been really passionate about over the past year or two has really been celebrating those journeys, um, advocating for our profession, and really getting the chance to collaborate with other people Mm -hmm. and bring that sense of community to life um, in any way that I can. And so I've been putting all of these things out into the world as myself hoping that, you know, they'll be well-received and that it will inspire those three things. Um, and I think we'll get into talking a little bit about how that came to be and, and what mm-hmm. inspired that initial step to, to do that on my own. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled with the people. I, I, the light that has been drawn into my life because of this um, is just incredible,
0: I love that. I love it so much. Cause it's like, it's just a testament to how important community is and doing things together, uh, with other people, not being alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think, I think so often we can find ourselves feeling so alone and it, you know, it's scary to reach out to other people or, like if it's a business venture, sometimes we want to just do it on our own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I know what I found is that doing things with other people helps the process so much and it helps me feel so good doing it too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's the story of a lot of music therapists, too. It's a very, it can mm. be a very isolating profession um, mm-hmm. if you're in, especially like I am right now, a community where there aren't many other music therapists around. Um, mm. And so when you layer that with this ongoing pandemic that we're experiencing right now, the isolation factor is tenfold. Yeah. So that sense of community and knowing that you're not alone and the emotions that you're feeling are valid and there are other people that are going through similar journeys and stories is, is really important to connect with and be aware of. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's like a common theme of so many of our podcasts, <laughs> like doing life together, experiencing these emotions alongside another person and, and almost like sometimes having a guide, like, Mm -hmm. okay, you had this challenging experience and I'm in the middle of that same type of experience. So I know that I can get through it and there's another side to it. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if now would be a good time to hear about your story. What led you here? Like, I don't know, would it be good to start with how did you even get into the field of music therapy or do you want to go further back than that?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really great place to start. Um, you know, I, I think it was in high school when I learned about music therapy um, as a profession. I didn't know it existed before that, but I was looking up on Google Um, you know, professions in music therapy careers in or careers in music in Uh general, um, knowing that teaching or performing just were not where I was being called professionally. Uh Um, And I had already been accepted to uh, the general music program at Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Um, Uh And it was too late at that point to switch uh, in my first semester by the time I had made it there. And uh, what was really interesting, I think the stars kind of aligned for me because uh, they had an uh, an audition for a music therapy program when I went there in my first semester. And I went Mm -hmm. to the audition and then I was able to switch degree streams in my second semester. Wow, so you caught it like really early on. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Which was incredible because um, I was kind of lost in that first semester. I was like, I'm just here because mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be here studying something and I'm interested in music, but yeah. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a performer. I don't want to be a composer, which mm-hmm. were, or a musicologist, which were all of the other streams that were available in music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just here doing a general degree. And so I was really, really inspired when I got to learn a little bit more about what music therapy looked like from some of my cohort in that first semester. And then I got the chance to audition and it went well and I was accepted Mm. into that program, even though I was a wind, woodwind instrument, which I felt Mm. in my mind would be a barrier for me to be in that program. But they accepted me with open arms and yeah, it was the best decision that I could have made at that point.
0: Yeah. Can I ask you what, what instrument that was? And was it common to be majoring like in a different instrument in the music
1: therapy uh, department? Yeah, I was a saxophone uh, Alter. player. Alto saxophone, soprano saxophone. And it wasn't common. <laughs> You know, Mm. the common um, principal instrument that people go into music therapy with is either voice or piano or guitar as their principal instruments. Um, And then, but primarily voice. There are a lot of vocal majors that are in, that were in the music therapy program. And uh, so (laughs) it was kind of funny because I ended up putting more work on myself, I think, than um, some of my other friends would have had to during that time because I had to do the vocal lessons, I had mm-hmm. to do the guitar lessons, which I hadn't, I didn't have a level of proficiency in at all prior yeah. to applying. Um, I had a little bit of piano, which was very helpful, but on top of all of that, um, musicianship training that you do in the clinical music therapy program, um, I was also still taking saxophone lessons because Mm -hmm. I had to do that as my principal instrument for at least the first two years to get through the music program. And so I was doing so much. (laughs) Yeah. I never thought about that because
0: in the program that I went through, it was kind of a mix between... Actually, you know, when I think about it, there were more (laughs) vocal majors than not. Um, But we had some horn players, we had some flute players, I was a flutist. Um, But now that I think about it, yeah, if I was voice primary, that would lend itself so beautifully to everything that we're doing in music therapy, and yet I still had this, for me, it was four years of, of the private lessons and the recitals and everything on that instrument. So that's, that's such an interesting point that, you know, maybe some of us do have a little extra work with, with (laughs) our various instruments. Um, and I'm wondering, have you ever been able to use saxophone in, um, a
1: session with your clients? Yeah, I've, I've bought it into sessions a couple times. In school, I was encouraged to use it, actually, which was really, really fantastic. How cool is that? I had people that were in my corner on either end of the coin, people telling me that I shouldn't go into music therapy because... Um, This was my principal instrument and I would be better off in a teaching career or a performing career and to really think about whether or not I wanted to switch. And then on the other hand, I had people telling me that, you know, it would be a really great opportunity for you to explore that instrument as an extension of your voice within a music therapy setting. And. Thankfully, those people were in my corner because it really helped me to continue going throughout that program. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now I I have been using it. I actually used it a couple times in some of my telehealth sessions recently, um, which I was a, a little timid about at first just because I didn't know what the the feedback would be like on the other end or, um, you know, some of those things that could potentially cause harm <laughs> instead of helping our clients. Um, right. but it tends to work best for me within a co-therapy setting. If mm. I'm in person with a, a client, um, really having that opportunity to have someone engage in that more, uh, talk counseling uh, supportive therapy or you know really engage tactically with with physical responses and um, and while I'm providing the music and the vibration because mm-hmm. saxophone's kind of a big instrument with lots of residents
0: um, yeah. and
1: I can't talk while I'm playing so <laughs> it just is useful to have somebody else there helping to facilitate um, mm-hmm. other kinds of engagement Mm. That's such a cool way to look at it. Um, and now like I'm more inspired
0: to use my flute in sessions over <laughs> telehealth <laughs> in more of like that therapeutic way and not, not a separate, um, like music and then therapy. So, um, so I know you mentioned like it, those people encouraging you to get through your program and actually like, hone in on your primary instrument and use it and love it and you know have that as a tool in music therapy um you you mentioned that that helped you get through Mm -hmm. so I wonder what that what that means like like was it hard to get through the program
1: were there challenges along the way yeah for for me I think um there were a couple challenges one big one was just that I was away from home for a really long period of time for um, the first time in my life um, mm. and experiencing new cultures and new seasons. I'd never experienced the winter before. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so getting through that and, and kind of, you know, really um, fighting with myself about why am I even here right now? um, is this, is this going to be worth it? And so I think that's what made it worth it for me was knowing the benefit that I, um, I could be doing in the world, uh, because of, of this profession and and using music therapeutically to help other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it was just, it was a lot of work to have that as a principal instrument. Um, where other people had lots of other time to do more social things, I was yeah. always in band and in um, in uh, lessons, <laughs> and it was just yeah. like there were so many things that were happening. Um, but I think I'm, I'm also, I guess this is a bit of a confession that I'm, I've always been a little bit of a nerd, and so school. <laughs> School has always been, you know, my jam. And I haven't mm-hmm. really stopped being a student, even though I'm out in the world as a professional now. Mm. Um, but working hard um, and continuing to, like, fill up my schedule is kind of something that I've been working on not doing. Because it's it's been something that's been a part of my coping mechanism for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, like, working hard... Um, being that workaholic has really helped to get me through some of those stressful situations, but it doesn't eliminate the problem. It only creates new problems. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, you know, that's something that I've come to terms with in where I am right now and noticing Mm -hmm. that has been a trend ever since perhaps high school for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that just like keeping yourself
0: busy. And then you don't really have to think about anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Can you share with us where you came
1: from before going to college? Yeah. So I grew up in Bermuda. My whole family um, live in Bermuda. And so That's a really, it's a really, really tight-knit community. If we go back to that conversation about community, my family Mm -hmm. literally live, like, next door to each other. Yeah. (laughs) And so if you need sugar, milk, or just want to talk, you can walk 10 Mm -hmm. steps and you're at another family member's home. And so for me, when I moved to university, it was, thankfully, it was another small town, So that small town feeling was still kind of relevant. That's been a theme for me too, Um, gravitating Mm. towards small towns um, in my internship as well. But um, yeah, I was really, I was really experiencing quite a bit for the first time coming from this place that was um, full of family, full of sunshine, (laughs) Yeah. And moving to Wolfville, Nova Scotia, that was really beautiful, just in a different way. It didn't have Mm -hmm. the same kind of beauty as like the ocean and the sand at the beaches and um, that kind of island lifestyle feeling. It was, you know, fall leaves and beautiful dikes and um, all of these elements that I, I hadn't really been privy to before. But I had mm. to learn to see differently. Um, as still beautiful and meaningful, but it was quite a change for me to go from one to the other. And that's pretty far away, too. Yeah. So I, I could
0: only assume that you didn't see your family much when you were in school. No.
1: Mm. Um, I went home twice a year. I went home... For, I was privileged to go home twice a year. I know a lot of other international students didn't mm-hmm. have that same opportunity, um, but I went mm. home for Christmas break and I went home for the summer break. Mm. Um, and that really helped to ground me uh, going home and seeing my family and being in the sunshine after experiencing what are some of the toughest winters in Canada. I, yeah. I mean,
0: I've I've only ever lived in northern states, but Nova Scotia is even more north than <laughs> I've lived. So,
1: yeah, it gets pretty cold. Apparently, apparently it's on I was par born with Minnesota. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I was born in a snowstorm. I was born in Nova Scotia, so oh. apparently, I was born in a snowstorm, or like when a snowstorm was happening. Thankfully yeah. <laughs> my mom wasn't in, in the snowstorm. <laughs> <Being> <laughs> oh, born, gosh. That would be a story in itself. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why I have such an aversion to like the winter time or harsh <sighs> it's winters. So tough. Yeah. So um
0: is that why you chose to go to school there? Because your family had been there
1: at another time? Yeah. So it just, like, it was, it was practical. Um, yeah. The cost of university is, is a barrier to a lot of people, and it just mm-hmm. made a lot of sense for me financially um, because the cost of education is cheaper in, mm. your, um, in your province. So going to school in Nova Scotia made life a little bit, a little bit easier for me in terms of affording um, mm. continued education
0: hmm
1: That's so cool.
0: So, I don't know if there's any other stories you wanted to share about your um, time studying music therapy, but I'm wondering, you know, what happened next?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After I endured all of those winters I moved to a (laughs) different part of Canada (laughs) yeah I made that call I was like I don't know I I think I want to go to Ontario Mm, or BC uh which um, BC is so beautiful and I actually I got offered an internship in BC uh, at the BC Children's Hospital Um, but because Mm -hmm. the program that I went to in undergrad has a separate internship program so you do your internship after your four years after you graduate and it's not in uh, association with your university there's Mm -hmm. no liability insurance there and and the bc children's hospital internship wasn't really set up for that at that time um Mm -hmm. which was a bummer (laughs) but i i'm a strong believer that things happen for a reason and Mm -hmm. i ended up going to an internship in the small town of Perth, Ontario, which is, it's just a stunning little town and it kind of gives me Stars Hollow vibes. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yes, Gilmore Girls fan. (laughs) It was so beautiful um, that I ended up there and it just, it was the perfect fit when I really sat down and thought about it because I got the chance to work in like a variety of settings, which really allowed me to kind of explore being, um, I guess, multi-passionate about working with many kinds of people and not putting myself into one little box. Um, And I know that we're trained to we're supposed to buckle down and like choose one population we want to specialize and in I'm supposed to yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I found it hard to do that and I still do and I was grateful that my internship there under Nicola Adi really helped to to show me that you know I could do um, um, a mosh posh of things like it mm-hmm. was really yeah. great to be able to explore that a little bit further Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that's cool. So it sounds like you had a really positive internship experience, um, but you were also still very far from home.
1: Yes, yes, I was still <laughs> very far from home, and I had just made a big move across the country. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and it was it was tough. It was tough because that was another like really. Um, it, was, it wasn't It was as much of a youthful community as I probably needed at that time. Mm-hmm. So there weren't a lot of activities that I could do. Um, there weren't um, many people that would understand what music therapy is in, in terms of um, the, the specific internship journey that I was on right there mm-hmm. um, in that mm-hmm. moment. I did have another intern that was... Uh, there at the same time as I was and it really helped oh, to have nice. that peer supervision back and forth and we would take yeah, trips yeah. like to uh, or drives to Ottawa just to go shopping or go to like oh, cool. the the movie theater you know just like mm-hmm. normal things that make you feel like you're you're having <laughs> like a, social a young 20 something <laughs> yeah Yeah. It was, it, it was really helped. Yeah. Like part of the 20 something gang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, those are the things that,
0: that um, I feel like make you well-rounded as a person, Mm -hmm. because I think it can be so easy as music therapists to just get so focused on music therapy and that's our whole life. And we forget to have fun outside of our sessions and we forget to like see people outside of our clients (laughs) yeah
1: yeah exactly it's mm-hmm. so important to separate the two. I mean, yeah. there, there's always going to be a place in the middle where they meet because you want to be your authentic self in, in music therapy settings and with your music therapy peers and whatever you're putting out into the world professionally. Right. But there's a place that deserves, you know, love and attention um, as who you are as a person outside of all of that. Right, right. Definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, Okay, so we heard about um, what started you on this music therapy journey, your school, um, your internship, being so far from home, which I mean, we could probably have a whole separate podcast on just what it takes, you know, to do that. And and just the emotional roller coaster that you must go through being Mm -hmm. so far away and not having that family um, support system directly there with you. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, from all of those things that you've shared so far, how did you get from, uh, this internship and being a new music therapist to where you are now having authored, I think two books now. Yeah. (laughs) Two books, (laughs) podcast, you have, um, anti-racism, uh, workshop, and resource, um, training, and now you're supervising and you have your clinical practice. So I wonder how those pieces all came together and and what led you there. Yeah.
1: Okay. So this is a (laughs) big question. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a lot that happened, I think, between, um, the point of me finishing my internship to where I am now. And I think Mm. it's all part of how I got to this, this place. And, um, Mm. and I'm not going to claim to have all the answers, but I'm just going to share what has happened for me and and what's worked. And, um, you know, I, I decided to, to go right into a job right after Mm. I finished my internship I'm technically still in that first music therapy job right now. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity to still continue working with um, so many different kinds of people, um, not just in long-term care, though I'm mostly working in long-term care right now. Um, and it's been a great first job. I learned a lot about myself, um, about my you know, music therapy approach, my threshold for productivity, um, Mm. my business savvy, because I was able to be an independent contractor here.
0: Mm.
1: And I think I'll always keep that in mind going forward. Um, But it also came with challenges and, you know, discovering things about my current professional situation that I just... Um, perhaps don't align with where I want to be or moving forward uh, professionally. And I've realized that that's okay. And -hmm. there's a way to navigate that um, with with the utmost respect for everybody that's been involved and who I've gotten to meet up until this point. And so there are some big shifts that are actually happening soon for me that I'm excited Mm -hmm. about. And it's funny because we're talking and I'm, I'm not really sure if I'm at a a place right now where the light, I can see it clearly at the end of the tunnel or that it feels, you know, quite real just yet. Um, because the last year or two have been really challenging for me and, um, specifically relating to my professional identity, Mm. it's been like at war. (laughs) It's been at war. And, um, you know, I've experienced so much burnout, which has been a topic Mm. that I've been keen to talk about so much. Um, I've had so much anxiety, so much grief, um, just being away from home and away from my loved ones, um, ending long-term relationships, clients passing away and just so many things that combine on top of the pandemic that has been tough for (sighs) everybody Mm -hmm. but it's also been such a blessing this pandemic because until the pandemic hit I was struggling and living in a state of mind where my imposter syndrome told me I could never be anything more than what I had Mm. been currently doing um and you know I I I thought in that in that moment in those moments that I could never leave this job that I'm currently in because no one would pay me as me or support me in my little town of Bermuda if mm. I, you know, if I needed to move back for my own mental health and well-being. Yeah. Um, but then I started an Instagram page that was just about Haley's identity and journey as yeah. a music therapist. And then I I put out my book and my podcast and the anti-oppressive practice resource and started holding workshops. And I've, you know, I realized, um, that there's so much that I can, I can offer the world. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's so much that I still have in me that are, um, you know, there are things in the wings that I'm still waiting to, to, to make happen. And I'm excited about, but it all started with that first step of, you know maybe it was a bit of practicality of Mm. uh oh shoot I can't rely on what I've been relying on up until this point I need to to figure out how to pivot but also I am worthy like really sitting in that and understanding that Mm -hmm. I do have an able voice I have things that I can say that I can share that um You know, I don't need to listen to that voice of imposter syndrome and sit in that and dwell in that and feel like I'm alone um, Mm -hmm. because I I have so many creative things inside of me that are worth putting out into the world. And so Mm -hmm. it just started with that first step of creating an Instagram page. So silly, but it actually is what was the catalyst for everything else.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait to see you know, what, what creative thing is next, because I can, it's like, I can feel it. Like, like, um, we have a kinship with that because I can see how, um, business minded you are. And it's just like ideas come to you and then you do them. And so, um, (laughs) you know, I hope that (laughs) if this conversation does nothing else, that it encourages you to keep going through the hard times and, um, Sharing that next thing with the world when when it's time.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. and I think that's, you know, it's been really important for me, in, in terms of even branding who I am and and whatever comes mm-hmm. next, I think that'll continue to be important. But, um, my my butterfly as MTA Haley, yeah. I've shared the story so many times, but it, it <laughs> like it just resonates with me so much of, you know. Sometimes we have to to grow through discomfort in order to get to a place where we can truly fly and flourish. Mm. And um it's part of that discomfort that is a is is a, an integral piece to our story of becoming who we're meant to be.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like right now um the time that you're in is like the most discomfort you've had to
1: hold or walk through? I think it's definitely the most pivotal point in terms of mm. there's a lot more weight riding on the the next few decisions that I'm going to have to make in my life. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm such a type A person. I'm such a planner. And there's no <laughs> way to to plan for everything that's gonna come next and so right. um I think that it there's a lot of weight that I'm feeling um mm-hmm. in in the past a little bit but I'm also excited for what comes next and knowing that this won't be my last point of struggle this won't be my last challenge that I have to try and overcome um mm-hmm. that there are going to be so many more and knowing that I do have the ability to get through it. Is yeah. is enough? Yeah, and do my best. That's all I can do. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. And I wonder if that that hope of of um, flight and even thinking about the butterfly, like okay, wondering what colors you're gonna see this time that the wings open up. If yeah. that's kind of like something you hold on to um, when you're going through the discomfort and you don't really know what's next like well at least I know there's gonna be some beautiful colors Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna be flying so I just it's like I have to hold on until I get there even when I don't know what the next step is
1: yeah absolutely
0: I am wondering if there's any other part of your story that's been um pivotal like what you're going through now um that stands out to you
1: Yeah, um, and maybe this, it it like kind of works into maybe a conversation that we had before. Um, but there was, (laughs) it's kind of funny when I look back at it now, but there was, um, I guess one challenge that I had, uh, that really forced me to think about who I was and how I was interacting with my world, with the world around me. Mm. Um, And it was in my internship when I I was reminded that I was black. Mm. And not only that I was black, but that my blackness could potentially influence the response I get from the people I was working with in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And so on top of being nervous that I was out in the world practicing, like you're an intern. Yeah, <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> I was trying to be put on like these big girl pants and, and be yeah. like, like a real music therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of halted me in my tracks, for a few weeks, and I was just like, "Oh shoot!" Like, I never thought about this, and I wrote a blog post mm-hmm. about it actually, quite some time ago. But yeah, it was it was just this realization that I hadn't really thought about until that point, until somebody brought that to my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I owe that in part to the diversity that I saw growing up, and mm-hmm. um, you know the fact that I I never had to experience anything uh, that challenging within the music therapy program at Acadia. Mm -hmm. um, School was a whole different (laughs) subject matter. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, in the music therapy program, I never really... That wasn't something that was brought up as a barrier or, or that had been met in that same way. And so you know, it was, it was really something that I felt like I should have been more aware about.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But I didn't, I guess I was just living in a place where I felt like we were moving forward in terms of how people were seeing um, diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I, I was working in long-term care, which added a little bit of an extra layer there of we're working sure. with people that are, are from two different generations and mindsets and, um, you know, the the discrimination um, that existed not even that long ago within yeah. our communities and segregation and all of these things that have contributed to these systemic um, belief systems have, have, are still, are still there. They're still there. And, um, you know, I couldn't really, after that point, ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, it, was that
0: experience maybe, um, something that led to you creating the anti-oppressive practice resource, and workshop. Um, I mean, I know within the last, I guess, year or so, this conversation has come to light in the media, yeah. so it's it's kind of been in people's faces a little more than maybe it had been previously, but it's so, may, like, I wonder maybe if that's a reason why you created the, the um, resource but also like the story that you just brought up it it lends itself perfectly to um that conversation and almost like preparing the next generation for hey this you might feel this way or this might happen or you know if you work in long term care there are going to be people who um lived through the 60s and the mm-hmm. 70s
1: yeah it, it definitely um, so I I experienced all of this and it came to the forefront of my mind during my internship but then I, I hadn't really accessed that that part of that experience for a while. It's just it always um, has been something that I've been reflecting on and learning about and mm-hmm. then I wrote, uh, um, I wrote a blog post in February of 2020.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and in that blog post I shared this story um, about how I came to this realization and the struggle of of trying to navigate culture and um, being a practicing music therapist but um, then in like the summer of 2020 the world yeah. kind of just right. <laughs> exploded um, and put this this subject matter into the limelight Mm -hmm. and it was at that point where I felt that call to action of like hey I have experience in this area I have a story to tell that and a perspective that I feel would be valuable to our music therapy community that we can all Mm -hmm. learn in a safe space a brave space together um and I've reached out on social media to say like hey um you know, who feels like they need resources in this area, just like a one of those polls that you do on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I got an overwhelming response from people saying, we, wow. we would love resources in this area. We, we don't know where to go right now in terms of anything mm. that specifically re- relates to creative arts therapy. Okay. And so my friend Priya Shah and I, we, we collaborated on creating that initial resource for people, um, free for, for, for everybody to have access to and to, to use to reflect and um, to integrate within their, their practice And it was so well received that it just, it it came with opportunities to speak um, that I then felt like I needed to take control of of my time a little bit more and manage that. So I created these spaces um, where I could have uh, workshops, dedicated workshops to talk through these things with people. Um, Mm. And, you know, it's just been something that, has reignited that flame that was Mm -hmm. sparked um, all those years ago, but also in February of last year. I don't know if that timing was just why that came back up for me um, in that year. Just, I don't know. Like I said, there are just things that I can't explain that just align in terms of when they're needed. Um, And so... Yeah, I I I really love that work, and I'm continuing to do that work, and I think it's going to continue to be a part of the fabric of what I become mm-hmm. um, going forward. Yeah, I I love feeling how um,
0: things align, and and when things are synchronous, it just it's like the beauty of life all mm-hmm. comes together at once, and. And it's like, it's time. Um, And I also love how you mentioned that um, you started creating these workshops and creating spaces for these conversations to protect your own time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is the healthiest way to step into a new venture because I, I could only imagine it being so um enticing to be like yes I want to talk with you and yes and like kind of uh, like as a helping person in a helping profession it's like I want to help you I want to talk with you but then I I could imagine you're getting like a million dms and you're like I can't I can't do this by myself in this way yeah and how creative of you to think okay
1: let's let's set up a space for this in a workshop that's so yeah, cool. Absolutely. It just, like, the the response was just overwhelming, and I needed a space for myself where I could structure this talk. I needed mm-hmm. a space where people felt like they had enough time and the support they needed that wasn't just a social media DM or an email or a phone call, um, you know, yeah. because... We needed it. I, I just felt it. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I, I took that and and in my mindset of being a helper, um, but also needing to protect and self-care on my own, um, yeah. dealing with the the emotions that come up because of all of this subject matter and how it, it's processed for me, um, mm-hmm. identifying as a, um, a person of color, Um, But also, you know, just really wanting to be there to support and provide, again, that sense of community that um, is so needed when it comes to banding together on topics of um, cultural humility and equity and diversity. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really grateful that we were able to to find spaces that work and people have been enjoying and learning and reflecting within those spaces um, it's been really lovely to, to be able to, to do that and offer that. Yeah.
0: And it sounds, it sounds like it's been so fulfilling for you. Mm-hmm. And like, it's something that you didn't, you know, graduate from music therapy school and think, okay, this is what I'm going to do with, with my music therapy degree or with my, um, sphere of influence. But here you are and, It's like the right time, (laughs) the right place, the right people, the right voice. Um, That's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never had this in in a thought um, Mm -hmm. in my mind when I finished my degree program. I didn't even think that I would be an author or a podcaster or, you know, have so many people engage with me in social media. Like, I... I didn't know that all of this was going to happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it just, it all came about from even that first move to switch into the music therapy program and knowing Mm -hmm. that I needed to take that chance um, and just see what happens. Yeah. And I
0: wonder if all these steps have felt like that. Like, okay, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to take a chance on writing a book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for the most part. Um, They came about, the book was actually, (laughs) I had the idea for so long. Oh really? And then I, d- I didn't jump on it right away because I was nervous. I was scared to put it out into the world. And you
0: were a new music thing like fresh, yeah, fresh music therapist.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't know if this is gonna put our profession in the right light. People are gonna disagree. Oh my goodness. Who's gonna oh, listen so to me? Lovely, Who's gonna though. buy this from me? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I just came to a point where I was like, no, this is this is something that we need. Why doesn't ex- exist already? Yeah. Um And I'm gonna stop putting it off so
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and I think that it's, it's important for me to also note that rejection was a big part of that process oh, of wow. like you know putting it out to um, different publishing companies and, and wanting it to get out there in the world I got a lot of no's mm-hmm. and um, but through all of that I got one yes that led yeah. me to this point
0: point. and that's something that we don't really hear about much like on on social media or um, in the profession, we all go through it, but I feel like it's not heard as much. Like you won't believe how many times I failed before I did X, Y, or Z, or how many no's I got, or how many auditions did not lead me to a job. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing that up because I think it's something that we all need to remind ourselves of that, that it is the normal process to make mistakes, go through failure, not, not make the thing, you know, get to the place where you want it to be. Um, Yeah, I think we, we lose sight of that often. And I wonder, you know, now I'm thinking, I wonder if part of that is because in music therapy, um, oftentimes, we see very positive results right away. So it's almost like baked into the fabric of what we do to see results instantly. Yeah. And then when we go through things ourselves and we don't see those results instantly, it's like, well, I must be the problem. I must've done something wrong. When it's like, no, yeah. this is just normal.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that until you just <laughs> bought it up, um, you know, and also I like another extension of that is the fact that it's a, an extension of our creativity, which is an extension of who uh, we are as an identity. Yeah. So we um, as a person, so we we feel rejection so much more deeply. And so sometimes it's difficult to talk about those things. We don't want to talk about those things. Um, and what I've learned from this experience is that rejection is not really a reflection of who I am as a person. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes things are just not the right fit Mm -hmm. and that's okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I try to remind myself like, okay, it's either not the right time, not the right audience um, you know, not the right person. Like this will happen if it's true to me. And if I feel like I want to bring it into the world, it will happen. It's just, you gotta find the right time and the right space and the right support system around you Mm -hmm. for that, that creative venture. Um, but it doesn't mean to stop trying, but that's like the hardest thing. (laughs) <laughs> to accept <laughs> or to like sit with
1: like ah, I yeah. just want to make this thing uh, yeah we get so passionate about these things and so it's hard when we hear that word no or we get uh, um you know pushed back in any way and I think that's 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 what it comes down to is just trying our best. Maybe if we need to put it down like that idea Mm -hmm. for a little while, like you said, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not the right time and come back to it. Um, that's exactly what happened with my book. I put it down for a little bit, came back to it. Um, and that can be some of the best decisions that you, you, you make for yourself is Mm -hmm. giving yourself that space to really sit and and reflect and maybe do other things, focus on other things. Mm -hmm. Um, because in that process, you do need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Too many no's can really, um, can really dampen your self-esteem. And so really making sure you have those supports in place and those self-care actions. And, um, yeah. But always being willing to, to come back to it. If it's something that you're passionate about, being able to pick it up and yeah. try again.
0: Yeah. And I always think about it in um, a way where if I give this thing time, that time is going to give me a new perspective. That within that time that I let it sit and then come back to it, I'm going to gain more skills. Mm -hmm. I'm going to meet more people. So time is only going to help me in the long run if, if, you know, things don't, happen perfectly the first time. So yeah, I think, I think that's such a good reminder for us as music therapists in the work that we do. Um, if we are business owners, you know, finding the right clients and doing the right kind of music therapy and like that can all take time to really understand and figure out, um, and then, especially with like more creative projects or ventures, um, time is our friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Hmm. Um, so it feels like our our time is wrapping up now. We've we've had such a a wonderful um, conversation today. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us, or any? any other part of
1: your story that that you feel is is worth um, noting. Yeah, as I I sit and reflect on some of the words that we just kind of used to wrap up, I think that time is so important and can be used in so many ways. I think that getting to know yourself more and what you need um, is definitely important and you can never spend too much time on that. Don't yeah. feel guilty about that, that time spent getting to know yourself and what you need to feel well, mm-hmm. to be able to be helpful within your community, to be able to be a support for, for others um, within such a, a demanding, helping profession. Mm-hmm. I think that um, time is our friend. Time is something that we need to to respect and honor in whatever that looks like for you um Mm -hmm. and it can be difficult but uh, moving forward is also something that I like to hold on to and um, knowing that even if you're struggling right now if you're going through a challenge that you will continue to grow and learn from that learn new things meet new people um have new perspectives. And so continuing to move forward to get to whatever your beautiful color looks like when you emerge mm. as that butterfly. Uh, we're just going to leave it right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Haley, thank you so much for this conversation and your words of wisdom, your positivity, and your story. Um, Your story is so valuable. And um, if people want
1: to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah. (laughs) It's so fun because my story is still being written, right? And so I love love when new people can come along for the journey. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube at MTA Haley. Um, You can connect with me on my website at www.mtahaley.com. and And my podcast (laughs) oh yes your podcast the able
0: voice podcast the able voice and Haley H-A-Y-L-E-Y yes cool awesome well thank you so much and um thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you soon